0: From afar, looking in, South Korea has achieved the impossible rebuilding of its economic status in a matter of decades since the war. But there are undeniable opportunity costs to rapid, intense growth. As I mentioned earlier, byproducts of a fierce competition at every level of academia and then the workforce, polarized society and broken links in the social fabric we want to, well, Maybe you better fill. What are we missing? And most importantly, where do we go from here? We're joined by Korea Exposé co-founder and freelance journalist based in Seoul, Rafael Rashid. Uh, He recently published a book on the topic of discussion, Good morning, Rafael. Good
1: morning, and thank you for having me.
0: Thank you very much for joining us bright and early. Uh, Is there an English title to the book that you've recently published?
1: Uh, There's no actual official English title yet, Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to go with something along the lines of the Korea We Refuse to See.
0: The Korea We Refuse to See. That's much more active. The Korea We Refuse <laughs> to See. Um, like any, any country, there are polarizations that are hard to deny. There's a, a divide that, that is more visible, it seems, each year. We talk about it more in the daily headlines. Specifically, we're going to focus on South Korea. Uh, first off, could you give our listeners a very brief introduction to your latest bug and perhaps the inspirations that drove you to write
1: yeah sure so um this book actually started off as a column that i was writing in El korea um, about two two and a half years ago Mm -hmm. and it was a collection of uh, just i guess everyday thoughts about korean society and um I kind of decided to put them all together and try to come up with some common themes and eventually come up with this book. Um, And of course I've added a lot more to it, Mm. but overall, I think um, the, these columns and this book stem from just a simple question that I've always been kind of asking a lot of Koreans and a lot of friends around me, namely, are you happy? Are you guys happy? Um, (laughs) Because (laughs) I know it's like a very, you know, very simple question and maybe a bit cliche, but I, I've, I've noticed I've been here for over a decade that a lot of the times there are things that people might be doing, um, but might not want to do. And I question if what they do and their actions, I wonder if it makes them happy. So I'm kind of just asking these questions simple questions Mm. uh going through 10 years in korea um Mm. i studied here went to university went to a a company here Mm. and just going through different episodes hopefully you know a little bit funny episodes maybe (laughs) but some more serious uh, episodes uh trying to understand what what makes people happy um, something like that. So I've tried to put it all
0: together in one book. I, I think it's a fundamental question that I think the younger generation in South Korea always actually are more actively seeking answers to. I mean, there are more books on it, right? Seeking happiness, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <definitely. laughs> a more balanced life, quit your job if it makes you unhappy. I mean, these are not narratives that would have been common in the previous generations while South Korea's economy was growing at monumental rates. Times have changed. Growth might not necessarily be the only focused area. I at the disinterest of all the major companies in South Korea, but... <laughs> yeah. I think by all measurable standards of wealth and living standards in South Korea, we're doing better than ever before in modern history. Yet, yet, South Korea remains one of the unhappiest countries based on a number of different uh, surveys. The UN Happiness Index, for example, there's an OECD equivalent of it. So based on your 10 years of working through (laughs) some of the corporate machines and then having this freelancer uh, perspective on what's happening here in Korea, Korea, why is this so? Why are we unhappy despite having made significant progress?
1: You know, uh, of course, I- I'm sure there's, there's people a lot more qualified than I who can answer <laughs> that question. And also, there are so many factors, and I don't think we can talk about one individual factor. But just, I guess, for me personally, like I, I alluded to just a few minutes ago, I think in South Korean society, there is a lot of pressure, um, say, to conform or do things that you might not necessarily want to do, Mm. but are expected of you. And then there's the inner self, Mm. what you really want to do and um, what you really think, Mm. but might not be able to do it or might not be able to express it. Mm. And uh, I guess for me personally, I think there is this conflict between the two. And this, this maybe inner in conflict, um, I think, tears people apart and mm-hmm. leads to some form of
0: unhappiness. It's almost a big divide, a gap between your reality and your ideals, um, what you want to pursue, your passions, um, but it might be diminished by your peers or the public or your family members in the worst case scenarios as being trivial and not important and conforming to perhaps what we may call social norms and social expectations. Does that divide make us unhappy? And I think you're absolutely right. Uh, One might argue, um, isn't inner peace something that is entirely personal? I mean, shouldn't that be more internal than anything else? So, should we be uh, torn apart by society, or should I have more willpower to stick to my passions? (laughs) Uh, Korean society can be described in a number of different ways, but if there is kind of a something that we can work on, it is also hierarchical and rigid. Now, whether that is the most efficient way to run a society and a company, it's being questioned, right? I mean, some more progressive companies, especially in the tech sector, they try to do without titles, for example, right? They, they just use, in some cases, English names for some odd reason. Right, right, but, right, right. you know, that's kind of to destroy that standing hierarchy or this structure in in a, in a conglomerate system. Uh, people are still, however, expected in various social norms to read the room, so to speak, and have nunchi before engaging yeah. <laughs> in any corporate or inter- actions. Where do you think these tendencies originate from? Because I've seen several opinion pieces on it just being deeply rooted in Korean history.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it certainly uh, does have something to do with Korean identity as a homogeneous nation um, or also from its cultural heritage, maybe also some Confucian tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think there is some of that. I'm not a historian, but regardless of where it comes from, I think it's something that is seems to be just learned mm-hmm. um, in society. And some people might say or argue, and I know I've seen these opinion pieces, if not books, say that this kind of nunchi is a tool to solve everything, Um, a magic tool but you know if anything I think it's a tool to suppress the weak Mm. um, and suppress thoughts and productivity especially in the modern era Mm. you know if you go to school uh, when I went to university nunchi means you don't put your hand up to ask a question or you Mm. don't confront your professor Mm. Uh, it means when you are in the workplace you don't uh, raise your hand during meetings Mm. Uh, it's the reason why you um, don't go home early because your boss is still in the office um i think nunchi you know it kind of justifies and reproduces this these unequal uh structures in society that have been passed down for generations mm. uh and it's a, a means of maintaining the status quo and you know coming back to coming back to the the idea of, of happiness or unhappiness i think it it reinforces or it maintains a lot of people's inner anger, um, Mm. which eventually makes them unhappy.
0: Ah, if we could only speak our minds and be respected for it. You know, know, there is a complete inverse to that. I I grew up in the state of California, and we're almost at the polar opposite end of this conversation. We're encouraged to uh, share our opinions, perhaps a little bit too frequently. And sometimes that's not conducive to efficiency either. So we're not saying one or the other is completely better. But if, in fact, there is a correlational relationship between how South Koreans may feel unhappy, increasingly so... And this idea of nunchi and social structures in the companies, maybe we need to tear it apart and see if we can rectify the problem. There right. is increased polarization, it seems, in every part of the world. We talk about yeah. it every day, but South Korea is not immune to it. Absolutely not. We talk about the gender gap, the age gap, the political gap, and, and that's only the beginning of a very long list. What do you think, Rafael, is fueling this very concerning phenomenon? in South Korea?
1: If I could just answer it, that question is one simple word. I'd say inequality. Uh, Inequality in society that has always been here. I mean, it's always been around us. And by the way, this is not, like you said, not unique to South Korea. Um, But inequality has always been around, but it's never necessarily been resolved, Mm. and now we live in the 21st century, you know, young people are not blind, they know they are aware of themselves, their existence, their rights, uh, and are asking questions, and rightly so. and I think it's reached it's reaching a, a bubbling point at the moment uh, where we have so many grievances in society and so many inequalities, uh, but not necessarily much will or say even political will to resolve any of these issues, if not try to maintain them.
0: Mm. In, in the political realm, I think that's an entirely different objective maybe. Um, sometimes it helps politicians to win votes by... Further polarizing societies, right? Um, and and that's yeah. just unique to the political sector. But you're absolutely right. If there is a problem there, a fundamental one, it should be in the interest of politicians in trying to rectify a, a, a polarized society. The div- Every time we elect a new president, they promise to unite the country, and <laughs> they and do that, the opposite. <laughs> right? And, and and the and that noble pursuit is is tough but it is noble one after all. I think in your book, you bring up really interesting points about the role of Korean politics and Korean media having played a big role in inflaming the country's growing social divide. So could you perhaps elaborate? Yeah, I mean,
1: like I, I just said, people have a lot of grievances, maybe due to these structural or societal inequalities that have been going on for going on for so long um, and then these these grievances or these people's weaknesses are of like you said are exploited or even weaponized by politicians who who blame the other side mm. for their grievances I mean and and then they put the two together and then they appeal to a certain audience mm. and say I am the person who will fight against this and certainly these people might have, uh, issues, but uh, I think the, the blame is or the blame is directed to, towards the wrong people or the mm. or the wrong crowd, and I think we saw that was very evident in in the previous um, you know presidential election where a lot of young disenfranchised men mm. uh, were were appealed in a certain way and and the blame was like okay well the blame's on on the women and on the feminists um i mean that's an entire different issue but uh but then now we now that we're in the in the new administration then we kind of ask the question okay well now that you got the votes and now that you got the people what are you going to now that you got the support what are you going to do about it and you know, now now those people who voted seem to be a bit lost and and mm-hmm. maybe might even regret having made certain choices because there mm-hmm. aren't necessarily uh solutions, especially when the blame was wrongly uh right. shifted in one direction to the other right. um and it's not just politicians it's it's media also who mm-hmm. are using this kind of um rhetoric uh, especially to you know in in a such a saturated uh media environment where uh, every media every person can become a media these days and is Mm. vying for clicks and so if you want to make clicks you want to make it as sensational as possible Mm. um and so a lot of the time you'll see um just outrageous you know headlines um copy pasting certain things in, in the headlines uh and i think those that also definitely Kind of fuels fuels the divide because we all look to the media to mm. to get our opinions mm. in, in, in a way
0: uh, actually in my intro for this entire show i've, I've uh, talked about a, a modern art piece by mel Bachner, and it just it's just this big bold letters all it says is on on this canvas is blah 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 and, <laughs> and and what this artist wanted to convey kind of humorously was that there's way too much noise in the media and sensationalized stories and uh, i'm glad that we're talking Talking about it because I do believe our listeners are a little bit more well-educated. We keep bringing it to the forefront that you should question sources. You shouldn't question uh, incentives. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good place to start. I mean, information is not limited and restricted to extensive where it was in history. So we can be, I think, smarter citizens, which brings me to my last question of the day. Do you think there are systematic changes that are needed or that are within reach to maybe rectify some of these issues that we talked about today
1: (laughs) (laughs) million dollar question Uh, and i think you know uh, something that every you know politician or president would want to know themselves but i think you know i think it comes down i mean usually my answer for many questions is it comes down to education um, I think it's important to uh, educate people that difference is what makes us, diversity is what makes us, uh, instead of tearing ourselves apart and, and being so divided, I think it's important to understand that diversity does exist, it can exist, and it can coexist in Korean society, and that you can be different i mean (laughs) uh and you know i mean who is who is normal in this society if that makes any sense Mm. um so you know i think we should be asking these bigger questions maybe at school for example Mm. um but yeah coming back to the politics i think we should be focusing i mean politics politicians should be focusing on they say it you know bringing people Mm. together but we see every day it Especially in the past few weeks uh, in Korean politics, we've seen it's it's just a blame game on the from one side to the other. It doesn't even matter what you believe in. It's just saying the opposite of what the other party says. So I think, and uh, you know, these politicians represent society, and I think it's important that they too should. Um, I guess, be reasonable. And again, media as well, I think should be less uh, sensational and focus on the things that matter rather than things that divide us.
0: Mm. Raphael, honestly, I I gave you the million dollar question that is tough for even uh, (laughs) lawmakers to answer. I do apologize, but you are the one that are asking the tough questions. I got to ask the expert. This was a delightful (laughs) conversation. Thank you. And congratulations on the publication of your latest book. Thank you so much. Thank you.